Blog Talk Radio. The following broadcast is brought to you by the iGolf Sports Network. Golf Talk Live is sponsored by the iGolf Sports Network and Golf Tips Magazine. Here's Andrew to tell you more about our sponsors. iGolf Sports is a live stream broadcast and media production company providing quality programming designed to attract the golfing enthusiast. And Golf Tips, the game's most in-depth instruction magazine, including reviews on the latest equipment, tips from top teaching professionals, all designed to help you improve from tee to green. Welcome to Golf Talk Live with your host, Ted Odorico. Join Ted each week as he speaks with some of the best in golf. This week's special guest will join us a bit later. But first up is another great discussion on Coach's Corner. So let's introduce tonight's Coach's Corner panel. All right, good evening, everybody, and welcome to Golf Talk Live. Uh, again, I'm your host, Ted Odorico, and I'm really excited to be here another Thursday evening. It's hard to believe, but we're fast approaching uh, to the middle of March, uh, just a few weeks away, and we'll be hitting Masters Week, and I know you all are going to be excited about that, as, as I am, so we're really looking forward to that. And uh, it uh, will be nice to see the Masters being played in April again, not that it wasn't interesting in, in uh, last year in November, but uh, this year uh, be nice to have it back in its regular time slot. All right, so uh, I'm going to bring out the Coach's Corner panel. So let me just um, introduce the guys, and we'll get into tonight's discussion. Uh, first up is John Hughes. He's a PGA Master Professional and the Honorary President for the North Florida PGA Section. Uh, he was also the 2013 PJ of America's Horton Smith Award recipient. Uh, he's a senior editor and Golf Tips Magazine Top 25 instructor, as well as being part of Golf Tips advisory staff. Joining him tonight as well is Brian Dobby. He's a PJ teacher professional at the Trump National in Bedminster, New Jersey, uh, formerly from the uh, Montclair Golf Club, where he spent 18 years and won five New Jersey section awards. Uh, the latest was the 2020 Player Development Award. Uh, he was also the 2012 Teacher of the Year and has been ranked as number seven in Golf Digest Top Teachers in New Jersey. And rounding out the panel, of course, is Pete Buchanan, founder, director of instruction, and owner of Plain Simple Golf LLC, which, of course, as you recall, houses the Plain Simple Golf Circuit and the Simple Swing Repeater Training Brace. And uh, Pete has been teaching this great game for 30-plus years, uh, so all well-seasoned veterans of the game joining me tonight on Coach's Corner Panel. Guys, welcome to the panel. Ted, thanks for having thanks. us. It's great to be here. Yep. Yep. Thanks, thanks for the opportunity, Ted. I appreciate it, as always. And um, All right, so I gave you a little bit of a heads up, and I'm going to start with you, John. We're going to talk a little bit about tips for keeping a good round going. Everybody you know, wants to improve their game and wants to uh, learn how to hit certain shots and how to produce certain shots and so on and so forth. Uh, but also everybody wants to know, hey, if I've got a good round going, what are some things that I can do uh, pre-round, maybe during the round, and even uh, post-round for that next time that I'm going to get out there? Um, I want to keep a good round. So here's uh, tip number one is pre-round tips, John. Uh, before your round, ensure that you're nice and loose. Uh, you may want to do some stretching and so forth. Um, what are some other things 
that you might want to do um, before you even maybe go to the practice tee uh, to get yourself ready uh, for that round because, hey, it's going to be a good round. Thanks, Chad, again for the opportunity. Brian, Pete, always big glad to be on with you guys. Looking forward to a great hour. Uh, I always tell my clients, why be in a rush to get to the golf course? That's, that's sort of where your tempo and timing starts on the way to the golf course. If you're speeding down the highway, you're going to speed through the round, you warm up, everything else is going to take you a little, little while. So if you really want to peel the onion back at the first layer, take your time going to the golf course. Uh, plan it out. Uh, plan for any contingencies you may, that may occur. When you're there, no need to rush. Make sure you're there on time with plenty of time to warm up. As far as warm-up goes, everybody's a little different. Everybody has their routine. Tell you, stick with the routine. No need to change it because there's a special round today or a tournament round. You, your body, your brain loves routine and loves to go at your tempo. And, and everything I've mentioned allows for that to happen before you ever touch a golf club. And while you're touching that golf club, why be in a big hurry? I think that's probably will be the theme, at least for me, as we go along with the various questions probably throughout the round is what can you do to keep your tempo consistent? It's not necessarily your swing. You've got to keep your tempo consistent for everything else to stay consistent. Well said. Um, I, I, I think we, you can't emphasize enough just even getting to the golf course can set the stage for a good round or a bad round. Um, if you're running late uh, or you're coming up just minutes before you're about ready to tee off, you obviously don't have a chance to warm up. Um, forget about even going to the range. You're barely even having enough time to stretch things out. Your muscles are going to be a little bit tight, and if you're not stretching out, and, and sort of loosening up before you get out there, even if you didn't get enough time to get out there and hit a few practice shots uh, out on the range or even uh, a few practice putts to test the speed of the greens, if you haven't loosened up a little bit, it's going to be disaster, especially on the first few holes. Um, you're going to be tense. You're going to be um, not really prepared, and you're going to more than likely rush through uh, your pre-shot routine and so forth. Brian, here's another thing that I want to sort of stay on this theme a little bit, and, and I want to ask you something a little bit differently and get your, your thoughts on this. So and I think another key element is to essentially determine what game you have. So we're going to assume you've shown up uh, a little bit early. You've hit the, the practice tee, and you're out there warming up, hitting a few shots. Now it's time to assess what kind of a game you're going to have that game. So if your A game shows up and you're hitting balls uh, solidly and accurately, then your master plan is maybe to play a little bit more aggressively. If your B game surfaces or shows up, uh, your contact and accuracy is maybe just okay. Uh, so you understand that your shots won't maybe carry as far, and uh, so you resolve to take one more club or pick up shots uh, to be aggressive. Uh, sorry, pick your shots to be aggressive. Uh, on the other hand, when you have no game at all and almost every shot is a miss hit, then I think it's short game time where you have to plan to play a little bit safer in that. Give us an idea of what we can do in event that that happens, whether you bring your A, your B, or not hitting things at all. 
what should we take away from that few moments that we have on the practice tee warming up and how can we better prepare ourselves when we hit that first tee? Uh, great question, Ted. And, but first off, thanks for having me on the show. And uh, Pete and John, good to hear from you again. Um, Ted, to the question, um, you know, golf is so inconsistent. And um, I think getting going to the course and having high expectations is hard. So, like you said, sometimes you go to the range and you might not have your A game or B game. So, mentally – bring down the expectations a little bit if, you, if you're not hitting it well on the range and, and get a little bit more conservative and conservative in terms of pick clubs that you're comfortable with on the first couple holes just to get the ball in play. And maybe sometimes your A, your, your B or C game turns into an A game if you just kind of calm down, start hitting some solid shots coming out of the gate. And, and and as the round progresses, your your C game might turn into a B game and your B game might turn into an A game. But I think it starts with lowering your expectations if you're on the range and not hitting it the way you did the day before. Our, our expectations kind of get in the way sometimes and it, it gets us not focused in on the process. The other thing I would do if I'm, if I'm not hitting it on the range well, I'm going to get off the range and, and spend five or 10 extra minutes get uh, on the putting green, getting a rhythm, trying to hit some long putts and trying to hit some chips and trying to see some success out of some shots instead of, you know, beating myself on the, up on the range before a round if I'm not hitting it well. Those are some of the things I would do, Ted. And I think just very quickly to follow up, um, it's not the time to start messing with your swing at that point. You're getting ready to go out to the first tee here in a moment. Um, you realize you're not hitting the, the best shots. There's other ways to compensate. Definitely not a good time to start monkeying around with your swing. Would you agree? Definitely agree with that. It's a, you know, you have to take what you have out there. If you're hitting a little cut that day on the range, play a little cut. Um, if you're hitting a draw, play the draw. Um, but, again, if, if you're not confident going to that first tee, pick a club that you know you can get in play, even if it's a three-wood or maybe a hybrid, but get it into play, kind of kickstart your round, and, you know, you never know. That, that, that bad swing might turn into a good swing with a little confidence just by hitting, hitting clubs that you're more comfortable with instead of struggling Great po- off the first tee. Great points, Brian. Thank you. Um, Pete, I'm going to move on to tip two for you, um, and that is getting your body in balance. Uh, and I'm going to give you a little explanation here as to what I'm referring to, and then you can uh, give me your thoughts on this. Whether you're right or left-handed golfer, I'll use a right hand because that's what I uh, hit, and a lot of golfers do that. What most golfers, I think, fail to really comprehend is if you're a right-handed golfer, um, you're not swinging the opposite way, so your body actually gets out of balance a little bit. People may not realize this, but you're used to swinging the club a certain way all the time. So the muscles on one side of your body tend to build up and and adapt to that swing motion. And if you're not swinging the other way, which obviously you're not, that side of your body is going to be a little out of kilter, and it can, believe it or not, affect your swing. So I always suggest to students, even if you're using right-handed clubs, to just take one of your clubs and swing in the opposite direction. It's going to seem a little bit awkward at first, 
but just to help balance out during a practice session. Don't, certainly don't do it while you're out in the golf course. What are some other things that we can do to keep ourselves in balance to make a better round and keep that good round going? Well, Ted, thanks again for having me on, and, and John and Brian, looking forward to it. You know, this day and age, there's so much more. I can think back when I was starting to play, there's so many more programs and so many more things you can look into to just getting your overall body better ready to play golf from different types of stretches from, um, you know, yoga classes to workouts to, you know, there's all kinds of things that are out there. So I would highly recommend anybody who's playing to, to try to find a program that you can use to just better your overall stability and mobility. I think those are two things that are really key. Uh, I spent some time working with some chiropractors and I can see how important all of that is just so that you can move and, and, and stabilize and find those programs that will help you dig into that. Now, your suggestion of swinging the other way is really, really good. Um, I've suggested that quite a bit in the warm-up is just to swing both directions mm-hmm. just to get yourself to yep. feel a little bit better balance overall and, and to swing the club. And I always like them to take, you know, some some different stretches that I have them do, some things on one foot, um, just to look at a little bit of coordination, a little bit of balance, just kind of wake yourself up a little bit before you go play to make sure that, uh, you know, those muscles down there are, are figuring out you're doing something different. And, you know, take take practice swings without hitting the ball first. You know, in, in this crazy game, it's such a reaction game that, you know, if you whatever you hit, your mind's going to start reacting to it. So, you know, make some swings, feel some balance, feel some movement. And, you know, as I said, if you can find some programs that can help you, you know, even just to, you might not think it's a, a lot, but even a little bit of, of working on some, getting yourself more stable, more mobile, I think overall it will just benefit you not only in swinging a golf club, but it'll, it'll benefit you in overall life as well. I couldn't agree more. And, and just to add one more point, one of the reasons why I try to get a lot of my students, and I'm guilty sometimes of not doing this myself, um, to swing the club the other direction is, is – We've all been faced with a situation similar uh, to this, but you might get find yourself in behind a tree, uh, as an example. And if you're a right-handed player, there may not be a shot. If you're a left-handed player, there might be a shot. So turning over maybe a seven iron or a six iron and playing it as a left-handed person uh, certainly is going to be a little bit awkward, of course. But if it's just a matter of advancing it, getting it back out in the fairway, uh, that's a shot you want to have in your bag. And if you're not used to that, um, hitting it that way, or it's very awkward or uncomfortable because you don't practice it, um, then obviously you're, you're not going to be successful. So that's why I like to get, and, and I, a lot of times we'll do this with some of my students, is I will have them go out there, I'll have them flip over their club, uh, or I'll sometimes even bring out uh, a left-handed player's club and have them hit a few shots. That way it certainly sometimes can be a little ugly, and you've got to make sure you're on a good side of the range that you're not going to uh, you know, clip somebody. Um, but that way, if they're faced with something out in the golf course, they're going to have confidence in being able to hit it. It's not going to be something they're going to be faced with a lot, but it may be something they may be faced with, uh, you know, periodically, and it's good to be prepared for that. Um, all right, John, I'm going to come back to you. Uh, we're, we're ready now to hit that first tee. Um, walk us through that first tee. Uh, what we got to do when we, when we get there, what are we thinking, what's going through our head, um, and and what do we want to do to, to make sure we're successful 
uh, beginning that round. Well, hopefully you've rehearsed this first tee shot on the range before you've made it over there. That's envisioning and rehearsing what you're trying to do off the first tee is going to settle your nerves. And doing it a couple of times prior to walking over is, is huge. Uh, a couple of deep breaths, just getting the, to the tee box relaxed. But, I will say but, you should have a little bit of nerves. Uh, I've always told all my players and clients, if you don't have nerves, it means you don't care. Uh, so a little bit of nervousness should be there. While at the same time your breathing's relaxed, your tempo's relaxed, you're not in a hurry, and you've really gone over the rehearsal of what this is going to look like. And, and if you've done all that, putting the tee in the ground, putting the ball on top of it, walking through your routine should be just commonplace. It should be just another golf shot for you. Well said. And I think also, too, you know, John, we, we obviously want to make sure that we've clearly identified the hole, what we're going to be faced with. Um, you know, a lot of people don't. They just get up there and think, well, i got an open, wide-open fairway, and they're not really prepared. Um, so, so that's key, and, and I, I like your point, uh, and I think this is uh, – a lot of people, I think, do this now, but there's still a few out there that don't, uh, and that is to practice that first tee uh, experience while you're on the practice tee. Get out there and just imagine that you're hitting your tee shot, you know, narrow out the, uh, the, the driving range or the practice area – uh, to about the width of your fairway so that you have an idea and try to keep it in there. If you've got trees or, or bunkers or whatnot, uh, you know, in the fairway, you, you can kind of visualize that. Maybe you can use one of the greens that is out there uh, and take that as your bunker, and you want to make sure that you're carrying or whatever the situation is, but you want to make sure your, your visualization of that hole is sound. Brian, I'm going to come back to you, and here's one I think that's important as well, uh, and it's tip number four, and that is to make the right choice. Uh, one thing you have uh, complete control of on the golf course is deciding which of the 14 clubs you use for the round. Uh, while you might have a core set uh, composition that doesn't vary much, uh, there should also be room for specialty clubs in your game day set, depending on the course and the conditions. Walk us through that process as well. Um, some people say, well, I've only got 14 clubs. Um, it might be worth uh, maybe uh, having a couple of other clubs uh, on hand, certainly you can't take them out. You can only take 14, but if you're not playing your same course all the time, you might have to make adjustments. So making the right choice uh, is a good example, so talk about that. Sure, Ted. That's, that's a great question. You know, every course is a little bit different, and um, most pros prepare to play courses, and you, you, look at, you look at, say you're playing a course that's a little bit longer than what you're used to, Maybe you need an extra hybrid in your bag. Maybe you don't need um, that extra wedge, or maybe you need an extra wedge. So a, a lot of times um, preparing to play well means preparing to have the right clubs in your bag, depending on the course. So like if I'm playing a, an extra long course, I might uh, put in some more firepower at the long end of my game, you know, and that way, I'm not in a situation that I don't have a club to fit that situation. That it's very good, very good point. And then, you no, know, making the right choice of club is also 
making hitting a shot that you're comfortable with that you know you can execute. So many amateurs I play with are, are pulling out clubs that it's probably not the right time to be hitting a three wood off a barrel eye or a, a lie that's buried in the rough. They're picking the wrong club at the wrong time. So recognizing the situation you're in also and choosing the, the club for that situation can, can be a stroke saver, Ted. Yeah. And, and just some other examples, if you're playing a course um, with large greens um, you know, some people and certainly not everybody you might want to even carry two putters, a chest-anchored one for uh, some of your shorter putts and maybe a regular-length model for lag putting. Uh, some other options to look at is uh, the varying degrees of bounce in that and loft uh, for your sand wedge, as, as an example. Um, you know, depending on the texture of the sand, uh, you may sure. want uh, a, a, a different there. Uh, utility woods that you mentioned as well. Um, and you know, there's a lot of different options. So you want to make sure now, obviously if you're playing your home course and you're familiar with that, you've, you've pretty much got a standard set. Um, but if you're somebody that maybe travels, maybe you're coming down here to Florida or some other area and you're playing course you're not familiar with, it might be a good idea to, you know, double up in some areas or have some extra clubs, uh, in hand that you can bring with you and swap them out as, as you need them, uh, depending on where you're playing. Uh, certainly, again, you can only carry 14 out with you, but if you have an idea ahead of time what you're playing, uh, that's something to consider as well. Um, Pete, I'm going to come to you on this one here, and this is uh, an interesting one, predicting the trajectory. Uh, so as an example, you might be under a tree and, and you need to keep it low, but you're not sure how fast the ball will get up. Uh, here's an interesting uh, option here to do, and, and you may have some other things to consider as well, but one way to learn how is to lay down the club you're playing to use with the butt end facing the target, then step on the club face. The shaft will rise to the shot's initial launch angle, allowing you to decide if the club is the correct choice to keep it under the obstacle. Let me hear your thoughts on that. It's a little bit unusual, and I, I must confess, I didn't come up with that. It was something I found. Uh, but what are some other things? Trajectory is obviously important because, you know, when you're out hitting out in the middle of the fairway and you're not you don't have trees or other, you know, obstacles that may be uh, power lines, as an example, depending on where you're playing, uh, trajectory becomes an issue. What are some things that we need to be mindful of? And maybe you can talk a little bit how we would set up if we've got to get that ball a little bit lower, if we've got to get a little bit higher. Maybe you can touch on those as well. Oh, that's, a, that's a great one there. Um, yeah, I've, I've seen <laughs> – that little example you're talking about of stepping on the club and seeing how the shaft rises. I mean, it'll give you an idea, which is really what you're, sure. you're after to try to figure out, you know, what that's going to do. And, you know, as Brian was talking about, you know, first of all, you have to make sure you can actually do it. Um, you know, mm -hmm. there's a lot of shots that you, you would, you would find a lot of us that play golf for a living and, and teach golf. We practice a lot of shots because we know we're going to be up against them. And amateurs play a lot of shots in the course that they've never practiced and they wonder why they don't happen. So you have to be mindful of what you can do first, but from a, a, a sheer standpoint of loft, I mean, understanding the, the loft of your clubs and what they can do for you, um, I think a lot of times the amateurs will misjudge just how high the ball will fly with a certain loft, uh, depending on their, their swing shapes, the trajectories they normally hit it. Um, you can move the ball forward or backward, depending on if you want to hit it higher, you can maybe play a little bit more forward, you want to hit it lower, play a little bit further back not to the, the great extremes, 
And you can also use, you know, a, a swing that swings it a little bit lower to the ground. We'll keep it lower to the ground. Um, you know, just looking at the, the different ways you can move the club, move the loft, move the setup to, to try to change, you know, what you're trying to do with the trajectory. And, and as I said before, it's a, it's a great way to practice too. You know, mess around with that golf club when you're practicing just to figure out what it's going to do. But I think if you look at the situation that you have first, um, you know, look at the loft that you're, you're trying to, uh, to hit that type of shot with, you know, always the visualization should always be first and trying to pick a club that's going to give you that type of trajectory you're looking at. And then, you know, give yourself a setup that's going to aid in doing that. If, if you're trying to hit it low, as I said, move it back, trying to hit it high, move it forward. You can open the face a little bit, hit a little bit higher. You can de-loft or close the face a little bit to hit a little bit lower. Uh, you know, all really depending on, on what you're trying to do. Right. Well said. Uh, that was our fifth tip. Uh, tip excuse me. Uh, we've got a few more to go through, but I want to stop for a second because I'm, I guarantee you there's folks out there that are saying, well, wait a minute. I thought this was about keeping a good round going. Uh, so they might be saying, well, what do the, all these have to do with keeping a good round? You know, we're, we're talking a little bit about pregame and, and, you know, club selection and so on and so forth. What I think a lot of people have to understand is in order to keep a good round going, many of the things that we've just touched on and, and the ones to follow, understanding and knowing what to do in advance when you're faced with that scenario or you're preparing for a, uh, to have a good round will help you tremendously uh, in keeping a good round going, understanding things about trajectory and so on and so forth. Uh, understanding getting prepared will help you have a more successful round so that when you do have some good shots, you're going to be able to keep it going. So a lot of people might ask that question and say, well, again, what does that have to do with keeping a good round going? And the simple answer is understanding these key tips will help you do that because you're going to be better prepared. You're going to understand whenever a scenario comes up, how to handle those situations or how to better prepare for those situations. And that's really the point here. If you want to have a good round, you've got to be prepared. And that's what really the key function here is. John, I'm going to come back to you with number six, and that is to simplify your chips. Uh, I think your chip shot is a, a crucial shot in the bag. You know, a lot of times we, we don't hit, our, hit the mark uh, on our approach to the green, and we find ourselves falling a little bit short. And, you know, uh, the good old chip uh, shot uh, comes in handy. Maybe walk us through a little bit uh, on some ways that we can simplify that. What are some key things that we need to be mindful of? Uh, you know, flag positions, so on and so forth, slope of the green, that thing. Maybe you can just touch on a few points there. Sure. And I'd also state that a lot of times to keep a good round going, you're going to revert back to a chip shot or some type of variant of a chip shot to keep a good round going, whether it's getting out of trouble, uh, as, as Brian and Pete have talked about, controlling trajectories and distances and such. It's the key shot that will probably keep anybody's round going. And it's very simple. It's not as difficult as most people try to make it out to be. Ball middle, hands down, little lean forward. Make a big chip, make a big putting stroke. That's really all you're after. And if you can make solid contact that way 
and start being able to control your distances with it, it's a really easy game or a simplified game is what I really should say. Uh, from a strategic standpoint of view, around the green, in order for you to be close to the hole, you've got to pick out a, a landing area. Uh, think of a golf towel. Think of a hula hoop. Think of something that's on the ground in front of you just onto the green where you can land that shot. Control your spin. Control your distance, not by taking your swing and trying to alter it. Odds are, at a high handicap level, you have a very difficult time altering your shot length without decelerating. So why not grab another golf club? Think of it as a tool chest, a a ratchet and socket set is the typical analogy that I use. You're not going to use a quarter-inch socket to go over a half-inch bolt head. Change that club for the variation that you need, whether it's longer or shorter. Obviously, a wedge is going to create more spin than, say, a 7-iron. But then the other thing to realize If you're somebody that is really married to one club to chip around the green with, realize that the firmer you strike that ball, the faster the speed of the club head through the ball, it's going to create more spin. And you've got to account account for that as far as where you're going to land the golf ball. From off the green, the, the old Scottish bump and run from 20, 30, even 40 yards out, get you out of no man's land. Again, find find the right club, find the right landing area, ball middle, grip down, lean forward, make the big putting stroke. Uh, you'll be very, very surprised as you go along and play around the golf how many times you'll actually use the basic setup and the basic strategy and then adjust off of it. To, to go back to what you just finished saying, Ted, as mm. far as preparation, if you're being prepared and understand how to make adjustments, especially with this chip shot, as you make adjustments, you can keep the round going. A lot of people try to uh, make improvements out there. And I think with a chip shot, you're not trying to improve a chip shot. You're just trying to make adjustments based on the situation that you're in. Well said. Um, You know, I think the other thing too, is you know Nicholas famously talked about how he liked to use the same swing, but just change the club out. And I think, in my opinion, I think for a chip shot, I think that's a good idea to, to swap it out. Some people do have a favorite club they like to use. One of the concerns I always have is they change the rhythm of the swings. So uh, again, um, you can certainly do it. This is why practice is so crucial. Uh, you know, off the golf course, if you're going to do something like that or with anything, is so that you've got them down packed. So if you decide that, hey, maybe the six or seven iron is your favorite chipping club, or maybe it's an eight or nine iron, whatever it may be, you've got to factor in the things that, you know, uh, John, that you just talked about. Uh, I prefer to have a variety of different options uh, as far as the club is concerned, because that way then I can essentially use the same rhythm uh, in my stroke but allow the loft to either carry a little bit further uh, to that spot or a little bit less, and you know, depending on the, the type of shot I want. So I'm not having to actually change the stroke as much as I am the club. And just my thought, my opinion, and I, it certainly has worked for myself and 
many of the students I've worked with. All right, Brian, I'm going to go to tip number seven for you, and that's angle your putting. Uh, let me explain what I mean by that, and then you can uh, comment and then maybe throw in some others as well. There's a key angle uh, that's uh, created uh, when you place your trail hand on the putter, left or right, doesn't matter. Uh, your wrist tends to, it bends backwards slightly towards your forearm. Uh, many of the successful putters keep this angle intact through uh, impact to prevent overuse of their hands. So in other words, by maintaining that, that wrist angle uh, on their trail hand, going through the putting stroke, they're not breaking down. Touch on that a little bit and maybe some other tips uh, that the folks can use once they get on the putting surface to help keep that round going. Uh, great question, Ted. Uh, okay, the angle of the right w- wrist in putting. Um, you know, if we keep our right wrist uh, bent back a little bit, it's more of a lever, and then keep the uh, lead wrist more f- flat or bowed, it's going to really stabilize the club face through the shot. But the thing I would consider on longer putts, sometimes most most amateurs don't get the ball far enough on longer putts, so you need a little bit more um, release of that right wrist to create a little bit more speed. So you can you can actually use that bent right wrist on the shorter ones, but on the longer ones, you know, 40, 50 feet, don't don't worry about letting that wrist to go to get get that club head moving a little faster. Um, it's it's you know we all know with putting we have to control that club face, and as our wrists move, that club face moves. You know, it, it, typically we overuse that right wrist on short ones, and that's going to change the face angle and the loft. So um, a good drill is to just kind of lock your right wrist back a little bit on the short ones and practice. And, you know, and Ted, when you said keep your round going, and the first thing that came to my mind is have a great short game. That's what keeps your round mm-hmm. going because you get up and down, you're right. going to save par, you're going to feel good, and those are the things that – keep your round going but great great question on the wrist that right wrist stays back a little bit um which stabilizes the putter club face i think another thing too that uh well said brian thank you Uh, i think another thing too that i I like to encourage uh when doing your practice stroke on the green and that is to actually look at your target as you're taking your practice strokes Uh, if you're looking down it's hard to really understand. Your eyes actually can be your, your, a really good tool because you can visualize the distance to the hole and then taking that practice stroke kind of gives you a feel of how hard you have to hit in order to get the ball to the target. So I think if you look at some of the best putters out there, uh, certainly they'll look down to identify the ball. When they're taking their practice stroke, you will see them looking up at their intended target, taking those pa- practice strokes so they can kind of gauge the distance and the feel uh, to make sure that they're going to get the distance that they need on their putts. Um, Pete, I'm going to hit number uh, number eight to you, and that is uh, look where you're going. Uh, again, if you're leaving long putts, uh, again, uh, sorry, I'm, I'm sorry, that was number eight. I'm sorry, number nine. Uh, seventh hole tips, my apologies. Uh, I just uh, jumped ahead on there. Uh, Seventh hole tips. Uh, your round is is one third complete. If you're playing 18, it's uh, time for a tension check, if you will. You should feel uh, what I would call selective tension, where some of your muscles, your lower back, insides of your thighs, ankles, that sort of thing, each of your uh, in, inside of your each of your feet, are tense, 
and ready for action, and others like your jaw, neck, and shoulders uh, are relaxed. So seventh hole is maybe some might want to do it five, six, maybe a little bit longer. I like this this particular tip because I think it's a good opportunity to really take a look and assess where you are, what's working, what's not working, and how you're feeling in that particular moment. If you're kind of tensed up, if you're a little bit nervous or whatever because you're not playing well, this is a good time for a quick assessment. Give me your thoughts here. Well, I totally agree with that. Um, you can even use a baseball reference with the seventh inning stretch. You know, you might take the mm-hmm. take a little bit of time to loosen up, stretch out a little bit. Um, you know, look at your game, evaluate uh, what's going on. Even when you go back to, you know, you know, look where you're going. What are you up against? What's coming up? Um, you know, I think it's it's always good to, to to keep yourself loose throughout the round, to keep stretching, to keep moving. Um, that's why I think, you know, a lot of times walking is, is a, is a great way to keep yourself loose. Um, mm-hmm. you know, in this day and age, there's a lot of cart riding, so you need to do a little bit of extra to keep yourself mobile, keep yourself moving around. Um, but no, I think that's, that's a great way to do it. Evaluate where you are, how you've been playing. Um, you know, to use the old phrase, loft is your friend. You know, I've, I've always said, you know, they don't really put that number on it anymore, but they used to stamp a one on the bottom of a driver and just because it has a one doesn't mean it's the first one you have to hit. I mean, you know, you've got to get yourself into position, and using the loft can help you. Um, you know, it, it's ironic. I just played some golf with my brother who came to visit, and he's a new player at, uh, at, after retiring. And I basically I told him, I said, we're going to divide all the par fours in half, and whatever that yardage is, you're going to hit that club twice. Mm-hmm. So if it's 320 yards, we're going to, take, we're going to hit it 160 yards twice. But I have mm-hmm. to drive her off the tee. I said, no, you don't. No, you don't. We're going to work on scoring today and just helping you maneuver the ball around the golf course and keep it in place. So I think there's, you know, a way you can look at that and evaluate after, you know, a third of the holes, you know, how have you been hitting it? You know, what have your drives been doing? Are they in play, not in play? You know, start putting more lofty clubs in your hands so you can keep it in play. Loft is always going to help you to hit it a little bit straighter. And so, you know, it's, it's a great time, I think, uh, to evaluate at that point to see what's going on. As I said before, keep yourself loose, keep yourself ready to go, keep yourself mentally in it. You know, I think a lot of times we can lull ourselves to sleep out there and, um, you know, play four or five holes in a row where you just all of a sudden you look up and you go, what, I'm on 12? So, you know, you just got to yep. keep yourself active, keep yourself in it the whole time and, um, you know, use that point to, put a little valuation together and and get a little bit of a game plan moving to the next few holes. Yeah, that's a, that's a really great point and some great advice that you gave your brother. Um, You know, I remember, and I've, I've mentioned this before, I think a time or two on the show. In fact, when he was a guest, I mentioned it to him. uh, But I had uh, a couple of years back, I had Wally Armstrong, who I'm sure most of you were, I think we're all old enough to, to know who he is. Uh, but he was on the Golf Channel uh, very uh, in its earlier days, and he did a little experiment in one of the lessons that he did, and he played three holes, a par three, four, and a five, with nothing more than a seven iron, a pitching wedge, and a putter, and over the three holes, he ended up shooting one under par. Uh, and it really goes to the point that you just talked about is, you know, even though, you know, par three is a little bit different, but the par four and par five were certainly lengthy enough uh, to take a driver or even a three wood off the tee, but he said, "No, I'm going to show you that 
certainly he was not suggesting that not to take those clubs out with you, but he was just proving a point that you don't have to hit it, you know, 300 yards to score well. Um, I mean, what player out there, especially 25 handicap, wouldn't love to be one under after three holes? Um, so I think that's great splitting those holes up uh, that way. The yardage is up so that people can get there. You don't have to get obviously in a par four. Uh, if you're a decent hitter, you know, getting there in two, even if you get it there in three, if your third shot gets you close enough that you can get in in two. Okay. So you, you, you know, you, you're, you're maybe hit a bogey on that. Um, but I've seen players on par fours shoot seven. I've even seen some do eight because they're all over the golf course. So I think breaking it up and, and isolating where your strengths are, and that's what we're going to get to, John, in this last tip here is playing to your strengths. Uh, always, always play to your strengths. No matter how good a round is, is going, it's important not to deviate what's working and to suddenly try some sort of a hero shot in hopes of going even lower. Talk about playing to your strengths a little bit more. And uh, again, just to emphasize keeping that good round going, if there's anything else that you can think of that we haven't touched on that you want to add in. Playing to your strengths, that that is a massive term that can mean a lot of different things to a golfer. Uh, Let's first start with the strengths of the day, the strengths of the round. Uh, A lot of times you're thinking, okay, I've got my C game or even my B game, but you've got some kind of strength going what can you do with the rest of your game to set up that strength? Uh, It's not about thinking, well, on the range, that's my strength, or at the practice screen, that's my strength. It's not about that. You are in the moment. You've got to understand what that strength is or strengths are during that moment. It could be your short game's just phenomenal. If that's the case, let's limp the full swing in. Let's, instead of taking driver, put something in the fairway that you can play to the green or just short of the green and allow that short game to work its magic. If it's your drive, no matter what club you have in your hand, put it in the fairway. The rest will take care of itself, but you have to build off of that confidence of your strength and allow it to bleed into the rest of your game. As far as strengths go long-term, you probably do have strengths, whether it's your putting, pitching, chipping, bunkers, hitting greens, hitting fairways. Maybe it's, hey, I'm I'm great within 20 feet with a putt. Well, that's probably the goal then. What can I do the remainder of this round to make sure that I'm going to have at least no more than a 20-footer every time I'm up there and, and do it in the least amount of time of strokes but I think the other strength that everybody overlooks you sort of hit on it when you said hero shot you have a brain Mm -hmm. and it's more strength than you realize while you're playing I have a phrase it goes something like this great decisions followed by great setups will always camouflage poor performances what do I mean by that? Your biggest strength, you probably underutilize, and that's your problem-solving ability. Slow down. Understand the information that's in front of you with every lie, every shot, every situation you're in, 
and don't be in a hurry to try to come up with the solution. That is a strength, whether you realize it or not. It may not be as strong as, say, the tour player that you admire watching TV. However, if you have an inventory skill-wise of what you're good at and what you're not good at, and then make a great decision of the shot at hand based on that, it, your your poor performances are going to be camouflaged. People are going to look at you and go, wow, what a shot, and then turn around. If you're smart, tip the hat and say thank you, but inside you're going, man, did I pull that one off? And you pull it <laughs> off because you use the strength of actually making a great decision. So uh, uh, there's three strengths that I'm talking about there. First is what is your strength right now at any given moment? Number two, what are your long-term strengths? What are the things you can depend on? Maybe you can uh, really suck it up a couple of holes, a couple of shots, and have that strength show up. But the one strength you're probably forgetting about, make a great decision. When you make that great decision, you're probably going to end up with a better score than you realize. Well said. Um, I couldn't agree more. You know, every shot, good or bad, starts with a decision and obviously good shots are a result of certain element of skill and, and even some luck, uh, but start with a good decision, uh, the right club that's been selected, um, understanding um, some of the uh, trouble that may be surrounding you and making an informed decision instead of trying to hit over a pond or a small lake or even a stream uh, or over a bunker uh, if you know you can't carry that distance, maybe laying up or playing to a different position might be uh, the right shot for you. So you're exactly right there. Uh, well, we got a few minutes left here. Um, I, I want to, for, for Pete and um, for Brian, Brian, I want to start with you. I think one of the things, especially for, for you two um, professionals who were up in the uh, Brian being up in the Northeast and, and uh, Pete being in the, the Midwest up in uh, St. Louis area, uh, you're sort of just coming out of the, the cooler months or, and getting ready to, to really get into a, a full cycle right now with, with your lessons. And I think it's important, you know, again, sort of staying on this theme, if we want to really help people to have a good round and keep it going, uh, it starts right from the beginning of the season in preparation. And I think one of the things, Brian, I'm going to go to you first, and that is to, with your professional, and if you're not working with one, I suggest that you get out and connect with one, but isolating uh, those strengths and, and identifying where the issues that you are. So that way your pro can put together and help you put together a good solid plan uh, on how to work on some of those things. So isolating some of the key issues that are giving you trouble and what your strengths are. Talk a little bit about that. Well, Ted, great question. Um, for for uh, anyone that's familiar with TrackMan, we use one um, in our teaching bays, but they have uh, the, the training sessions on TrackMan where, say, you wanted to work on 60-yard wedges. Uh, you would hit 10 shots and get graded out. There's so many tests you can do now to find the strengths and weaknesses of your game. Maybe it's driving, maybe it's putting, maybe it's chipping, but it takes some time to evaluate your game before the season starts, um, especially up here. Um, it's hard to play, but 
it's real easy to, you know, come indoors and work on the game. Um, and that way, you know, your coach can evaluate your game and say, you know, your, your wedge game from, say, 30 to 80 yards isn't where it needs to be um, because we graded you out. And if you want to get your handicap lower, we're going to really have to focus on this game. Um, so there's many ways now to evaluate a, a player's game, whether it's long game, short game, um, and and with TrackMan, you can you can actually compare yourself to you know every player that goes on it. So it's it's a great tool to isolate those weaknesses. But once you find them, I think if if we tend to only work on our strengths, we're really not going to get better. We have to identify the weaknesses in our game and then work on those. And typically, when you do that, your weakness turns into a strength, and that's what's going to keep you around going. That's what's going to bring your handicap down, Ted. Well said. And, and Pete, um, one of the other things that I think is important to sort of piggyback on what what Brian has just said, and that is once we've identified some of the issues or the concerns or problem areas, um, we need to put together a game plan, number one, and also, I believe we need to put together a to-do list, and that is so that the player has a list of things that they need to work on. Maybe it might involve drills and so on and so forth. Maybe you could touch on that. Once we've isolated some of the areas that need to be worked on, what do we need to do? How do we put a, 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 an effective game plan together in getting them prepared, especially this early in the season, and the importance of having some form of a to-do list, if you will, and you can call it something else, uh, of things that need to be worked on. Maybe you can talk about that a little bit. Yeah, that's a great way to go about it. You know, with many of the players, especially early in the year, you know, one of the things I work on is coming right out of the winter is working on, on ball control. You know, taking little shots, maybe putting some, you know, alignment sticks with pool noodles on them and say, we're just going to hit shots about 15, 20 yards, and I want you to work on trying to control the ball and hitting them at that target, you know, getting to where they can control the ball first. Um, you know, right now with March Madness, I mean, it's, it's you know, if, if you don't have ball control with those guards, you're going to run into problems. So it's the same thing with golf. you got to be able to control that ball to be able to give yourself a chance to score. And then those areas that you identify that you want to put together a practice plan to use drills to improve those areas, but also make it so that, uh, you know, what I like to do is to give them the drills, and when they complete them, they need to tell me they completed them. So that way I know they're working on them. And that way, you know, you can get to where you can practice those those different areas that you have trouble with. And, and you know, don't don't leave the ones you're good at out either. You need to practice those as well. And then you, know, you don't want to leave the things that you do very, very well out. You still need to practice those and keep those going. But it's definitely putting together the game plan. Here's what we're isolating. Here are the drills we need to use to get those to improve. You need to put the time into those drills, uh, and you need to be accountable for doing them. Make sure you do them because you're not going to improve if you don't do them. And so I think it's it's very key to and to have a variety of ways to practice those as well, not just one drill for you know a certain. Uh, aspect that you're trying to do, you know, get a variety, get some different things to do to break up the practice a little bit. But I think it's really important um, to, to practice those weaknesses, but in turn, you know, don't neglect the good stuff. You know, you have to do that too. So 
I think that's it's a really cool idea to be able to, you know, to put something together, have a plan, and, uh, you know, work the plan and go from there. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And, John, I'm going to give you the final uh, comments on tonight's discussion, and and that is, you know, all of these things that we've talked about are great, uh, getting a game plan, isolating some of the issues, putting together a to-do list. Um, but one of the biggest problems that we find as instructors is trying to get the students to execute those plans. Let's see if we can help them put together something in such a way that they're going to want to go away and want to work on. This is one of the biggest pet peeves that I have, and I'm sure you guys would concur, is we can do all the work in helping them prepare and helping them set a strategy, helping them create that uh, that wonderful plan, but getting them to execute uh, is another thing. What have we got to do, do you think, John, to get them to go to that next level? Because I think if they do that, they're not only going to start the season off well, but they're going to keep those rounds going, uh, especially when they start off good. Give me your thoughts. Well, I've always said, and on this program I've said, that a great coach is not there to motivate you. We're there to inspire you. Motivation mm-hmm. comes from within. I'm having played professional sports before. I can vouch for that statement. So whether it's Pete, Brian, myself, you, any of the other coaches you have on the program, we're all trying to inspire you to show you how simple things can be. This is not an easy game by any stretch of the imagination, but it can be a simple game. And when you simplify it down to least common denominators, you should see the simplicity of your game, of your improvement plan, and have realistic expectations of how long that's going to take for you to get where you want to go. That's something I do with every one of my clients. I'm working with one now. The kid's a world beater in more ways than one, and he's highly ranked internationally. And we have a big thing to do, and and that's to keep him from leaping. And trying to get him to do this drill at 13 years old is tough. All I can do is inspire him to show him what it's going to take to get things done. We can spell it out. We can put it on paper. We can put it within an app. We can do all the video and light scope and that kind of thing back and forth. But at the end of the day, you've got to be able to carve out some time and do another little thing that I've coined recently. Can you be dedicated to the discipline of your details? And whether it's on the course, whether it's practice, whether it's off the course, if golf is truly something you're trying to improve, what's your dedication level? Are you disciplined? And are those details being taken care of? That all comes from inward motivation. And what, all it takes is one detail to get disciplined and to really carve out and create even more dedication. It's it's a really simple thing, but you've got to reach down inside yourself to find it. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. You know, I, I think it, you know, for a lot of folks out there, um, whether you're new to the game or you've been playing for any length of time, you know, we can, as John pointed out, you know, we can certainly do our part to inspire you. Uh, we can provide you with the, the necessary tools 
that you're going to need to be successful out there. But it ultimately boils down to what are you willing to do uh, to become that better player. And I, I think setting realistic goals um, and, and not trying to take on more than you're able to do um, or try to you know raise your expectations uh, initially. I think you need to be realistic with your expectations. And then as you graduate, uh, you know, and become more successful along the way, you know, then your expectations, you know, you're going to understand, hey, you know, I've been shooting in, in, the, in the 90s here. I've broken 100. I've been shooting regularly in the 90s. Um, now it's time to, to break that next barrier and start shooting into the 80s. Um, you know, if you're barely breaking 100 and you're trying to get down to 80, um, that's a big leap. Uh, it can be done but it's not as successful in a short period of time or likely to happen. So there's a lot of things that you can do. Great points, guys. Uh, as always, I'm going to give you a chance to let the folks know how they can uh, get in touch with you if they want to reach out either after the show at a, or at a later point. Uh, so I'm going to go in reverse order. Uh, Pete, I'm going to go with you and then Brian and John. So Pete, uh, let the folks know if they want to reach out. Yeah, thanks, Ted, and, uh, again, for having me on. And, and John and Brian, it's always a pleasure to be on with you guys as well. Um, you know, I've joined the teaching staff this year of St. Louis Golf Lessons, so they can find all my information at stlouisgolflessons.com. Um, it's a great outfit. We're doing a lot of great things here in St. Louis, so you can reach out and uh, find me in there. And, you know, whatever you're looking for, whatever answers you need, um, let's get a conversation started, and we'll start working on your game. So thanks again, Ted. Perfect. Thank you, uh, Pete. Uh, Brian, how can the folks reach out to you? Well, first off, Ted, thanks for having me on the show. And John and Pete, it's always great to hear from you guys. Um, anybody want to get in touch with me? I'm up at uh, Trump National in Bedminster. My uh, email is PGA at yahoo.com. Um, give us a call and uh, love to help you if you're up, up this way in New Jersey. Thanks again, Ted. I appreciate it. And uh, finally, John. Yes, you can reach me. It's real easy at John Hughes Golf. Whether it's my website, any social media, uh, definitely very easy to find me. And if you're looking to do some virtual coaching with me, you can hop on to my new website, instantgolfimprovement.com, where you can find a really interesting library of long-form video instruction as well as uh, virtual video instruction through me. Uh, no matter where you are around the world. And, again, thanks, Ted, for the opportunity. Brian and Pete, always a pleasure. All right, guys. Well, thank you very much. I'm looking forward to another great season here on Coach's Corner. I think uh, last week was our uh, inaugural launch uh, for this season, and uh, this was uh, round two, as we like to say. And uh, you guys did a great job, as always. I appreciate your thoughts and input into the game. And hopefully we helped a few golfers out there that are tuning into the broadcast tonight And if not, then go back and listen to it again because I guarantee there's some good information. Guys, as always, have a great weekend. Stay safe and uh, much continued success. And look forward to the next time you guys are on the panel. Great. Thanks, Thanks, Ted. Good night, guys. Good night. Thanks. All right. That was uh, my very special guest panelists on Coach's Corner, John Hughes, Brian Dobby, and Pete Buchanan. Uh, Once again, thanks, guys, uh, for a great uh, – uh, discussion tonight. Uh, before I introduce uh, tonight's special guest, I'd uh, like to play a short clip uh, on Golf Tips. The following ad is sponsored by Golf Tips Magazine. Are you tired of being short off the tee? 
And what about those three putts? Forget about it. It's time you got serious about your game. Golf Tips, the most in-depth magazine in the industry. For over 30 years, Golf Tips has delivered expert content such as the latest golf instruction from America's top pros, simple-to-follow practice and game improvement drills, fitness and mental game tips, equipment, training aids, accessory and apparel reviews, golf destinations and travel tips for every budget, and so much more. Don't miss a single issue. Go to golftipsmag.com and subscribe today. All right. Uh, welcome back, everybody. I'm very excited uh, tonight to have back on the show. Uh, he's been here uh, a couple times uh, already, and I'm uh, glad to hap- have him back. I'm talking, of course, about the founder and CEO of Swing Align, Chris McGinley. Uh, he is a 30-plus uh, year uh, golf industry veteran with an outstanding record of building premium brands and products uh, in market uh, leaders. Uh, he recently uh, returned to V1 Sports, where he served as CEO uh, from 2017 to 2019. Uh, he's one of the golf industry's most seasoned equipment aficionados. Uh, Chris oversaw Homna North America and spent uh, 14 years at Titleist, driving high-profile uh, high profile product marketing campaigns and sales programs for one of the industry's most successful equipment brands. Uh, he also uh, filled prominent roles at Maxfly and Fila Golf earlier in his career. So please uh, welcome back to the show my very special guest, Chris McGinley. Ed, thanks so much. Good evening. Appreciate Not a problem. Welcome Good evening. back, Chris. Thank you for joining me. Thank- yeah, welcome thanks. for joining me. Yeah, uh, one, one small right. direction. I was 20, 21 years at Titleist. Oh, Okay, well, I'll have to uh, make that adjustment. I'll have to, to you have to get after Carl for that. <laughs> <laughs> I will. <laughs> How are you tonight? So let me. I'm doing fantastic. Welcome back. And Great. as I said, I've had you Thank here you. a few times. I enjoy, yeah, I enjoy having you on the show. So let's do a little bit of a review. We're going to talk about swing uh, uh, align tonight, and uh, I know you've got uh, a new product. We're going to talk about that a little bit later. Um, but let's just review a little bit uh, about the history of Swing Align, how it came about, how you got involved uh, with it, and a little bit about the product itself. Yeah, after uh, after I left Titleist in 2016, I, uh, I started to do a little consulting work and came across a gentleman named Ev Strand. Um, Ev's brother, Alan, was a PGA Tour putting instructor and also founded and designed a putter product called Dandy, so Dandy Putters. They're, one of their claim to fame is they won the uh, Masters with Vijay Singh. So, you know, they had a, a kind of a brief moment in the sun because of that, but, you know, were never able to make it work as a viable equipment brand for a number of reasons. But Anyway, Alan had a number of uh, sort of passion projects in terms of training aids. Unfortunately, Alan passed away from cancer, and he never got to realize some of those products or see them come to market. So I ran into his brother um, through a mutual acquaintance in the industry. He said, hey, would you help me bring some of this stuff to market? It's really good. I took a look at it, and the concept was fantastic. It needed a little bit more design work and some engineering done to it. Um, but I took that on and, uh, we ended up getting the original product patented and then launched it to market. So that's the backstory. So 
So it, it comes from, uh, you know, a place that's grounded in uh, a real high-level instructor and PGA Tour players, um, had guys like Dr. Gil Morgan and VJ and uh, a number of PGA Tour, reputable and well-known PGA Tour players, Ernie Els, try it, comment on it, use it, and uh, that led to the, the product we have today. And just to, again, we'll give the website a little bit later as well, so because we don't want them to to leave the show, we want them to uh, to listen to what we're going to talk about, uh, and then after the show, obviously, we want them to go and and check out the product and that. But just give us a general idea of of what the product specifically is, and and generally how it works. What's the purpose of the the? Uh, it is a training aid. So what is essentially the purpose? What does it do? What's its function? Yeah, it's in essence, it's a wearable device, and it is in essence a wearable alignment rod. So you see a lot of players obviously put clubs or alignment rods, tour sticks, whatever you want to call them on the ground to help align your feet um, to your target line. The problem is many golfers go awry in trying to align the rest of their body to that. You see all kinds of golfers that are aligned either with their their hips or their trunk or their shoulders open to the target, closed to the target, and not lined in the same place as their feet. So this device was really first and foremost targeted at that, improving alignment. It's an alignment rod you wear across your chest. It's held together by two flexible cuffs that go on the outside of your arms. And we connect those cuffs with, you know, what's best described as a stretchy cord or a connection belt. So it holds the device in place, but the other thing that it does, interestingly enough, is when you swing, it provides a measure of connection. And connection is, you know, synchronizing your arms and body so they work together. So you see a lot of people try to, you know, come up with various ways to improve their alignment. You see some players holding a towel under their arm or a glove under their arm Mm -hmm. for connection. This device does it all in, in one fell swoop. Another nice benefit is because it's got such a strong visual indicator in the alignment rod that you're wearing, you can really see, you know, first and foremost, seeing is believing. You know, you can see, okay, Mm -hmm. if I look down to my feet, I can tell my shoulders are aligned open. Then once you start the swing, you can see how much you've rotated. So it's also very good at teaching rotation. So we like to say alignment, rotation, and connection are the three main things that it teaches. Let me ask you um, this question here because this is something that we hear a lot about. We see a lot of, you know, training aids out in the market. There's, you know, uh, many out there, um, but very few you can actually hit shots with. Um, This is something that you can actually hit shots with. I mean, you're not hitting it with the product itself, but you can you can have the product. you know, uh, the cuffs, as you said, on your arms, and you can actually hit full shots with it, correct? You can. So it's great visually, but, you know, not everyone learns visually. It's also great for developing feel. And some people call it muscle memory. A lot of teachers don't like that term. But it allows you to feel what good alignment is like or good rotation is like or good connection is like. So it's great visually. It's great in terms of feel. And as you said, yeah, you can hit any golf shot from a drive to a putt while you're wearing it. Um, You can also rehearse swing positions. So 
you don't just have to use it at the range hitting balls. You can use it in your office. You can use it at home. If you have a hitting net at home or even just in your garage where you've got some room to swing, you put this on and you can rehearse key swing positions so that you can see and feel them. And those tend to stay with you when you get to the golf course. But you can throw in your golf bag and hit balls in it as well, and it's effective either way. Yeah, and I, and I wanted to, you know, this is an area that, especially, you know, given our current uh, climate um, of, of staying at home for many people still here, you know, uh, whether it be in the United States or Canada or what have you, um, those that aren't maybe have the ability to get out to the golf course yet, um, whether it be due to climate or, or stay-at-home orders, what have you, um, practicing golf at home uh, is, is paramount. And this is, as you just pointed out, this is a product, this is a training aid that they can use at home to give them feedback and allow them to understand the, the key points of where they are in the swing, uh, the alignment, and so on and so forth. Um, my question to you is typically using the swing align product, what have been some of the typical results? What's, and I'm talking about timeline. Um, how often should they use it uh, to get, you know, sort of the best opportunity at, at getting, seeing uh, real-time results? And typically what has been from some of the users so far has been the feedback that you have gotten as far as, you know, is it, you know, 30-day kind of program that you recommend to sort of groove uh, some of that imprint? Yeah, that's a great question, and there's multiple answers to that. So we feel like the first time you put this device on, you, you're going to learn something. So you'll be amazed, like, hey, I never realized my shoulders were so open or closed or the tilt in my spine was so off. Um, so it provides you instant feedback, which is good. So you may learn something right away. Um, certainly when you swing with it, you're also going to feel that connection device working. So, you know, the impact can be immediate for a lot of golfers. It's sort of like an almost an oh, wow moment right away. But, you know, the more you use it, it not only helps you kind of recognize visually and through feel what's going on, but, you know, when you practice with it, you tend to get better at those things and they stay with you. So it's, it's sort of realizing, learning, and then retention. So, you know, we think it helps throughout that process. We have a lot of guys, myself included, that, you know, it's easy to get out of alignment. And mm -hmm. I keep it in my office and I'll throw it on every now and then and just, you know, line up like I'm going to hit a golf shot and work on, you know, the alignment between my upper body and lower body. We, we have a, a bundled product where you, you get an alignment rod that goes on the ground as well. So putting the one across your chest and looking down, you get instant feedback and you can very easily see how you're aligned. So that, you know, that takes a couple minutes and it's nice to, you know, get up from your office. Everybody's working at home and, and take a little break. Um, so, you know, it runs the gamut from that kind of stuff, Ted, to, you know, taking it mm -hmm. out and when you hit balls, having a practice session with it. Um, the nice thing about the product is it's got these alignment rods that can be, you can use as an extension so you can kind of get the full impact. For some people, that's uh, visually a little too much. You can unscrew those and just put some end screws in place where you have just a really small rod across your chest. It's not quite as cumbersome. Um, but it's not as visually intimidating either. So 
in any case, there's a there's a number of learning scenarios using this device. Well, and the other thing too that I, I want to emphasize uh, to the listeners out there is this is not only a product that consumers, uh, you know, your avid golfer uh, can use and learn from, but this is also a great training tool for instructors as well to use with their students. Um, I know, um, you know, from visiting your, your website and that, that, uh, you know, many instructors also use this um, because a lot of times, as you said, students don't always recognize that they're out of alignment. Their shoulders may be open or they don't have the proper tilt. This is a great uh, tool that the instructors can use in conjunction uh, during a, a teaching session or a, a, a coaching session, uh, correct? It is. We have a lot of instructors that really value the product. Um, we've heard some of them say, Hey, it's like a third hand when I'm teaching, you know, I, if Mm -hmm. I'm, if I'm having to physically go up to a golfer and put them in the right position, you know, I'm not really, uh, able to stand back and make comments or point things out with the swing line device. I can tell them what to do the golfer can see it themselves. And it really, you know, it adds, uh, an element to their teaching, you know, like a third hand or an assistant right there with them. So, that's very positive, but just the whole general concept of the device, when you show it to an instructor, they get it immediately. Immediately, It's like, oh, my gosh, I see so many of my students that, you know, their posture's bad, their tilt's bad, it's set up, their shoulders are open. Um, a lot of people, including sort of our main promoter, Devin Bonebreak, is, says for a lot of golfers, you don't really lose your swing. You typically lose one of the fundamentals like grip, setup, alignment, posture, And then that leads to you doing something bad in your swing. So the more you can work on those fundamentals, and this device directly addresses that, and teachers really appreciate that, you know, the the easier their job is going to be so you can actually work on the swing. Right, right, exactly. Um, We lost you a little bit there, but I think we got... uh, You got me, Ted? That... Yeah, can sorry, be used. I'm, I'm cutting it um, out. Yeah, no, no, that's a, that's all right. It happens from time to time. Uh, yeah. But you know, this is a this is a product. You know, I've seen a lot of stuff on the market over the years, and I can honestly say this is uh, among one of the best products I think I've seen in a long time. Because you know, there there are so many training aids out there. As I as I mentioned, you know, we see them out at the PGA show every year, and uh, <laughs> you know, again, not to to knock anything else out there, but uh, this one gives you a tremendous amount of feedback. And I like the fact that it can be, A, it can be used in conjunction, you know, on the lesson tee with your instructor or coach, but it's also something that you can take away. Like you said, you know, if you're working at home or practicing at home, uh, this is something that can give you uh, some visual uh, points uh, of reference, if you will, to help you work on some of those things. So there's, there's instant feedback and that's what people really want. Chris is, is people want instant feedback uh, on whatever they do. You know, one of the nice things with video and so forth and so forth is, is giving us that sort of extra eye. Uh, but even that sometimes if you're, if you don't have a trained eye, uh, it doesn't give you sometimes the visual information you think. Uh, whereas your product uh, it's, it's very el- uh, relevant. If you're, if your you know, body is open, if your shoulders are open, that alignment rod is going to uh, show you that uh, right away. So it's nice to get that instant feedback uh, and allow you to make adjustments uh, accordingly. What, 
what are some of the things that um, you know that you found again through some of your research and uh, as you work through the the Swing Align product? Uh, you know, we touched on earlier uh, about whether you know you're swinging a driver or a short iron. Mm-hmm. This is something that is good for both, correct? It is. Um... Because there's a number of things that change from swinging a driver to an iron. Um, certainly your ball position, your spine angle tilt. Um, I think it's different, you know, to set up to a driver, which you play off your front foot. So you've got a little bit different visual from your perspective. And that will dictate how your shoulders go sometimes, as it is for hitting a wedge shot or even a, or even a putt. So... The device really helps whether, you know, you're hitting a longer club or a shorter club, you're hitting a chip shot or a putt. Um, A lot of people struggle with putting alignment, and so it's very effective there. There's some other things you can do with the device. You can wear the device across your, just above your knees on your legs. So Mm -hmm. some golfers get a little bit out of whack in their lower body. Um, Their lower Mm -hmm. body doesn't turn properly or sequence properly, so... You know, you find that you're having trouble making a full rotation in your swing, and the swing align alignment rod will show you that when you're wearing it on your upper body. It may be that you're just not turning your lower body. Turning your lower body gives you clearance to then turn your upper body. So if you think that's an issue, you can pop swing align just above your knees and see how much your lower body rotates. So there's a number of uses or use cases, if you will, Um, The rotation aspect is interesting. So a lot of players think they're turning, you know, they think they're separating their lower and upper body and rotating, uh, but they're really not. They're just kind of moving their arms and they don't turn to, you know, what would be an ideal 90 degree rotation, let's say. So when you got swing line on in the setup position, it's all pointed down your target line as you rotate to the top. You know, for most golf shots, you're going to want to turn your shoulder somewhere in the neighborhood of 90 degrees or perpendicular to your target line, very easy to tell that with swing align. You can even put an alignment rod down on the ground. Instead of pointing at your target line, you put Mm -hmm. it off your back foot perpendicular to your target line, and you try to match up your shoulders on rotation. So instead of setup, it really gives you a a much better indication. Like, wow, I, I really thought I was turning and coiling and rotating to, to build up power, but I'm not. So that's another nice uh, element. It's also kind of, it works for swing plane in a way as well at the top of your swing, you know, Mm -hmm. to see where you've rotated. Where that alignment rod is pointing at the top of your swing will show you if you've stayed in your posture or not. A lot of golfers, I'm sure you've seen it, come out of their posture, Mm -hmm. their lead shoulder points straight up in the air, and then they end up typically coming back down over top of it on the way down. So it really also allows you to, you know, concentrate on rotating your lead shoulder under and staying on plane through your golf swing. So the alignment rod will tell you that. So we have a number of, you know, videos and instruction blog articles on the website that kind of walk you through that process. Yeah. And some of the things, maybe you can just touch on a few of them. Some of the things that, that, um, Again, I'm referring to some of the videos and stuff as well that they can go and see for themselves, but maybe you can just, you know, talk a little bit about. Um, Mm -hmm. But 
one of the things that the, that the swing line does is actually helping to learn proper arm positioning. Uh, in other words, keeping your left arm and elbow straight. Maybe touch on that a little bit. They can go and see the video later afterwards when we give them the website. But uh, maybe you can touch on a few of these things uh, as we go along. Yeah, it does. I mean, there there's a role. Each arm plays a little bit of a different role. So for for most golfers that are right-handed, you know, your left arm is your is your lead arm, your right arm is your trail arm. So you want to keep the left arm as straight as possible. And on the way back, you want it to be under your right arm. And then as you come down and through, you want it to work a little bit in the other direction where your right arm and your right elbow goes kind of against your body and it goes under your left arm. You know, that has to do Mm -hmm. with swinging on plane and things like that, that these are concepts that are kind of hard to grab if someone just told you to go do that. But when you're wearing the device, it's really easy to see. Um, So, yeah, those are some of the additional benefits of, you know, you can focus Mm -hmm. in, you can stay kind of broad and alignment rotation, or you can focus in on a certain part of your swing and or your body being your lead arm or your trail arm and how they function. Yeah, and, and here's one that I, I, I'm curious about because, again, this is one that as, as a teacher professional we get all the time is how do I increase my swing speed? And swing line mm-hmm. can help you with that as well. How can we do that with swing align? Well, I think the whole thing about swing, uh, swing speed is, you know, there's a number of components. Um, I think where swing align can help is if you're not, rotating and coiling properly and and storing energy on the backswing. If you're just using your arms, if your arms are just disconnecting and lifting the club to the top, you're not going to hit it as far. So that's where connection comes in. You want to stay connected. You want to rotate in a connected manner. So you're using your big muscles. And there's a lot of, there's a term that a lot of, uh, instructors use like you need to have the right package at the top of your golf swing, right? You need to be lo- mm-hmm. rotated. Your arms need to be in the right position. You have to have a good solid package so you can deliver the club, you know, slightly from the inside to square um, in the right sequence, releasing the right amount of um, obviously power and energy into the ball. So swing line just kind of naturally does that. You don't need to think too much about it. It helps you stay connected. It helps you get in the right position at the top, but you don't really have to think too much about your, your downswing or delivering the club to the ball. Um, so in terms of power and accuracy, obviously being in the right positions is key to deliver the club as squarely as possible and with as much speed as possible. So through some of those things we just talked about, swing align can help that. Yeah, and, and this is what I say. The, the versatility of, of your product is what is really Im- impressive. It's not just tackling one area uh, of, an, of game improvement. It's actually tackling many. Um, you know, By getting the, the body uh, aligned correctly and using the proper sequencing of the body, uh, to execute the shots that we need, um, whether it be a long uh, game or a short game, uh, is critical. And so many golfers struggle with this. How can this help some of our, our senior golfers who maybe don't have uh, th- the same flexibility that they once had? Maybe they, they can't generate the same power. Swing line can help them too, right? 
Yeah, no question. I think as you age and your body changes, so does your golf swing. And therefore, mm-hmm. so do your positions. So, you know, with a senior golfer, you know, you may not be able to recoil or rotate as far as you used to be able to. That's where it's nice to know, okay, where am I starting to lose some of my power generators? And a typical thing that we see for senior golfers is they forget to rotate their lower body. And that's an easy thing that most golfers, regardless of their physical condition, can do. Because, mm-hmm. you know, um, typically the legs are a very strong element and remain one of the stronger elements in your body as you age. So, you know, you got to use it all as you get older and using your legs which are the only part of your body attached to the ground is a good way to generate power. <laughs> so right. I know we keep, we keep kind of bringing these things back to the, the same things, but that, that's really what this device is all about. It really grounds you in those fundamentals. And, you know, depending on where you are and your, you know, your learning curve as a golfer, whether you're a beginner or you're a tour player or, you know, you're a young golfer or an old golfer, you can apply these to whatever you need. Now, for for some of our newer golfers, you know, we, we've all been going through this, uh, you know, this pandemic for the last year, uh, still going through it in many ways. Um, what was really interesting is despite uh, some of the difficulties, golf really, um, and I've said this many times over the last several months, is really kind of got a shot in the arm in, this, in, a, in a good way in the sense that there were a lot of new people uh, coming out to the game. So this is really a great product for those new golfers coming out that really haven't learned the craft yet, really haven't don't understand the golf swing. This is something that they want to pick up now early on in their uh, their time learning the game because it's going to help them ingrain some of the proper sequence, help them to understand some of the issues that you've already gone over. Um, now's the time to do it. So what would you recommend for somebody that's just starting the game that picks up this? Uh, and again, we have to be mindful. Everybody's schedules are different and time is different, but really to, to help, how often should they be using it initially? Uh, and then for some of our better players, it might be just sort of a, uh, not maintenance, but uh, sort of a, um, a reassurance that they're doing the correct things. As, as you said yourself, you know, a lot of times you'll get out there and, you know, if you're feeling that your alignment's off a little bit, you'll you'll put yourself uh, together with the swing align and and sort of reaffirm some of those uh, concerns that you might have. So, for a newer player, what would you recommend? Uh, how frequent should they be, you know, test, uh, you know, using this product? And maybe for some of the better players, um, you know, that maybe don't need to use as much. What do you? What typically have you seen um, them getting the best results to, to sort of a maintenance, if you will? I know that was a long question. Yeah, you, you, <laughs> no, no, you're right on there. But first, that you know, an unabashed plug for golf. I mean, we're kind of having our our moment in the sun right now, aren't we? And it's great for the industry. Yep. It's great for golf as a sport. I mean, you know, being able to to work on your game at home, uh, being able to go out and you know be responsible in terms of socially distancing and still be able to play golf. I mean. Mm-hmm. Golf's a rock star right now, so I think it's great. it's great for the industry and yeah. for everyone. We're we're bringing we're bringing new players into the game, and we're bringing different kinds of players into the game. I think even before the pandemic, there were new golfers mm-hmm. coming into the game through, say, a Top Golf or more of an entertainment type experience. So mm-hmm. 
for those golfers, yeah, they, they, they may not be as serious as a seasoned player, or they may just be getting started. They may not know where to go to learn about the swing. They may not want to go and see an instructor. That can be an intimidating first step. So, sure. you know, for a beginning golfer, just learning some of the fundamentals, if nothing else, you know, like how to align yourself at your target, that can be a huge help as a starting point. And being able mm-hmm. to swing and feel your arms and body staying connected and working together and you having to use your big muscles instead of your small muscles, your arms and hands, to swing the club at the ball. Again, those type of fundamentals, they certainly benefit a beginning golfer. At the other end of the spectrum, though, they also benefit an experienced golfer, even a tour player. I mean, there's a reason why on the tour, when a guy's warming up, he's got his caddy or his coach standing behind him because even tour players got out of alignment pretty easily. Yep. And you know, you know as a player, hey, something mm-hmm. just didn't feel right during this round. I was off. I couldn't align at my target. I just couldn't quite hit the ball where I thought I was looking. Or, you know, for some reason I was losing power on my drives. Experienced golfers, better golfers, competitive golfers, they just sort of had that innate feel like, hey, something was off and I need to tune it up. So, you know, having a swing align and being able to use it, all right, let me just check my alignment, make sure I'm doing things the right way. Let me check my posture. Let me check uh, my rotation. Um, You know, golfers at the highest level of the game benefit from from this stuff as well. So you're right. Uh, The full spectrum really can benefit from that. Yeah, and I think that's what makes it really very unique in the fact that it it is something that everybody from a a beginning uh, player to even a seasoned tour player needs help. This is the one of the unique things about golf. You know, many other sports, you know, once you kind of learn the basics, you can pretty much keep it going. Golf is something that, you know, from season to season, from round to round, Things can can happen. Your body maybe gets out of sync. Maybe you're, uh, you know, mentally you're you're just not as sharp as you were yesterday. And you get out to the golf course, and suddenly you're thinking, well, wait a minute, why? You know, the wheels seem to have fallen off the bus today. What happened? And so a, a great product like this can help, as you said, not only the beginning player but even the seasoned tour players. All right, I mentioned earlier, uh, I wanted to give you an opportunity. You've got a new product that you're adding to the lineup. Uh, called the goalpost. I'm going to let you uh, explain what it is, and I've got one here that uh, you guys sent to me, and I appreciate that. I haven't had a chance because I literally just got it the other day, uh, but I'm going to uh, put this to good use. I can guarantee it. Uh, tell us what it is and how it works. Yeah, this, this is a fun little device, and um, different than swing line, this is focused exclusively on putting. And it is a device that you wear on your putter, in, in essence. It's a, it's a frame that you lay over the top line of your putter and secure to the, the back of the face or the back cavity. So the reason it's called goalpost is because it looks like, you know, the goalposts that sit at the end of a football field. There's two posts that come out, and then there's one in the middle where you secure the device. So you lay it across the top line of your putter, and then there is a post that then sticks out from your face in the heel and the toe. So that does a number of things. You know, with the swing align device, a lot of it was based on alignment. So is goalpost. 
Um, you put this on mm-hmm. your putter head, and it really helps you understand and see visually where your putter face is pointed. So, you know, where your putter face is is such a big part of putting. Most of putting issues occur and misses occurs because your putter face is either not aligned square at setup or it's not returned to square or where you're aimed at impact. So this device really helps with that process. It also helps provide you with uh, a frame Um, because it is posts. They act like a gate that sort of frame the sweet spot or the center of the face. A lot of putts are mishit typically out on the toe, a little more than the heel, but sometimes you miss hit a putt in the heel as well. So that goalpost frame serves as a gate and helps you groove center face contact. So the main benefits of the device are, you know, having a square face and being able to aim it where you want and being able to hit the putter in the center of the face. So you can groove those things. Um, a lot of times, you know, you try to teach putting corrections into the stroke and putting is such a personal thing. You know, there's, there's, there's a lot of ways to have a putting stroke, right? They don't have to all be the same. There's a lot of ways Mm -hmm. to grip a putter, but what's pretty universal is you got to get that ball square to where you're looking or the ball is not going to go in the hole. So this allows you some freedom. doesn't really matter, you know, the, the, the type of putter you have um, or the grip that you have or the length of the putter that you have, or even if you tend to putt more, you know, like square to square or a swinging gate, using this device helps groove that square face and solid center face contact, regardless of what type of putter you are. So it helps Mm -hmm. you improve your stroke, regardless of the type of stroke you have, if you will. What I also like, and I want to point this out, and um, in addition to the, as you said, the goalpost uh, imagery, is you can also attach an alignment rod, a small alignment rod, to it as well to help you, again, additionally, to see that line of sight, if you will, right? That's correct. So the sort of the base part of the device is the frame that hangs over the top line of your putter and it's two posts. So we also have the ability to attach what I would call a floating alignment rod above the goalpost frame. So it provides you with a third reference or a third alignment rod. And there's a post that works off the main frame and elevates that alignment rod above the ball. So you've got two alignment posts on either side of the ball and then Mm -hmm. an alignment rod that floats above the ball. So you now have three reference points. And so, you know, um, there's some products out there that, you know, you either mark a golf ball or your putter has alignment lines in Mm -hmm. a set of three, and that's called vernier acuity. So when you add that third alignment line, if you will, you can tell when things much more easily, if things get out of whack, if your alignment is off kilter, if you're not pointed. So 
for many golfers, the visual of that third line really helps increase their ability to aim. So we've built that into this device as an option. You don't have to use it, um, but you can. And it's definitely worthwhile to try because it adds a whole other dimension, if you will, to aiming your putter face. Well, and I think it would be great uh, initially when you're first using the product to maybe have that added on. Uh, and then at some point as you get more comfortable and you're starting to, to sort of groove that uh, a more sound putting stroke, then you could always take it off. But I think initially I think it would be smart for uh, most of the uh, golfers that have, uh, that will end up uh, purchasing this to maybe have it set up. Uh, something else caught my eye when I was uh, looking around on the website at, at various different things. And on your, your, the section that actually goes over the top of the, the uh, putter head itself, mm-hmm. uh, the posts, as you call them, the goal posts, as you call it, uh, there are two O-rings that are on there. And, yeah. you know, it, you can actually slide them more forward uh, to create a greater challenge. How does that work? What's the purpose of that? And maybe you can explain a little bit more. Yeah, that was just a great little, like we stumbled on that one. We used some O-rings in the swing line <laughs> full line device. So I can't really even remember how we did it, but we had one of those on the goalposts. And lo and behold, if you pull those O-rings out to the end, that gate, the opening in that gate gets narrower. So we call that the O ah. position. So you can keep the O-rings up against the, the back end of the post if you want. Or if you pull them all the way out to the end, you narrow the opening, you narrow the gate. So the narrower the gate, the more focus it requires. So once you get used to lining up the ball in between the gate and not hitting the gate on your backstroke or forward stroke, you can pull those O-rings out and make it even more of a challenge. So it's just a nice way that, you know, once you kind of get, start to get really dialed in, you can give yourself more of a challenge or require more focus on your stroke. So, I mean, really a simple little add-on that I think adds some nice value as well. Yeah, I think it's really interesting. When I, when I first read that, I, I kind of thought, well, I'm not exactly sure what you were referring to, um, but you, you explained it quite nicely here. And, and again, you know, Anytime that you're working on your game, whether it's the full swing or whether it's on the putting surface, you always want it. One of the biggest complaints that I hear a lot of students is, you know, they don't want to do the same thing. They want to challenge themselves in order to get better. And uh, certainly, you know, golf can be challenging enough, but, you know, they don't want to do the same thing. So this allows an, an added value, as you said, uh, for those that maybe have it in its traditional form, uh, are, are executing you know, putts with a little more ease, now they can dial it up a little bit more and challenge themselves that much more to stay focused uh, and, and, and present a little bit challenge uh, you know, when they're out in their practice sessions. So I think it's a great uh, stumble, if you will, as you put it, uh, to come across. It's obviously going to serve you guys very, very well. Uh, I think it's a great product. I'm, I'm excited. I'm going to uh, put it on my, my, yeah, I'm going to put it on my putter this weekend and, and uh and get out and uh and and hit some putts with it and and and, and test it out in that but uh it looks like a great product and it's Wonderful. a great addition yeah to the uh the swing align uh family uh, so we're going to give them the website uh, now and uh and then we're going to wrap Wonderful. things up and let you give some some final thoughts so uh 
If you want to learn more about uh, SwingAlign, you can go to swingtrainer.com. All of the products are there. Uh, they've got some great offers on there, as uh, Chris has also mentioned. Uh, not only can you go there to buy the products, uh, you can check out. There's some great posts on their blog that talk about uh, some of the various things that we've talked about tonight. And there's also an instructional section there as well that helps walk you through some of the areas uh, that many of you might be struggling with. And they very uh, smartly show you how Swing Align can help navigate some of those tricky areas that we find ourselves out in the golf course so go to swingtrainer.com and uh, check it out uh, the swing line uh, products are great and their new goal post uh, for those of you that struggle a little bit on the putting surface you can find it there too and it's very reasonably priced and i guarantee it's going to help your game and uh, chris as always uh, um, you know it's a pleasure i always learn something new when you're on the show I appreciate it very much. Any closing comments or thoughts that you want to add before we, we wrap up? Yeah, thanks, Ted. It's always a, a pleasure talking to you. I appreciate you teeing me up, so to speak. And I, I think, you know, you touched on it, and thanks for recognizing it. But I think, you know, the theme behind our products on all the swing line products are versatility. Certainly the, the full swing trainer, the swing line device that teaches you so many different things and can be used in different ways. And now goalposts, you know, where you've got some things that can increase the challenge or add an extra alignment feature, things like that. I mean, you know, we've tried to be thoughtful in how we design and engineer these products. We've tried to add some value by making them versatile. So that's really what, you know, the SwingAlign brand is all about. Thanks for pointing out the instruction content we have we have a lot of people that just come to the instruction part of our site and, and read the articles and, and take something away from that and that's great so um, we're happy to post that that stuff and uh yeah i appreciate uh, you giving me the opportunity to come on and talk a little bit about our stuff well i look forward because i i can gar- i can almost guarantee that there's going to be another product coming in the, f- in the near future um, and I'll be excited to to uh, share that with the audience as well. But uh, you've got some great products, Chris, and and you know I, I really, uh, you know I, I really love what you have done with the Swingline brand because um, you know there there is so much out there and there's a lot of misinformation out there. And you guys have have really kept it very simple and straight to the point. Here's a product that's going to help you improve. Um, and you can you can back it up, and that's what really people are looking for. So um, I always say, you know, the proof is in the pudding. You guys have got a great uh, money back guarantee um, on there as well. I don't think anybody will be getting their money back because I think they're going to be happy with it. But go to swingtrainer.com, check out all the great products. Don't forget to uh, also uh, snoop around the blog and their instructional articles as well and tips. Uh, a lot of good stuff on their website swingtrainer.com. Chris, as always, thank you very much. I look forward to the next time you come back on and please uh, feel free if you've got some new stuff coming down the pike uh, to reach out and uh, we'll get you back on and talk about that as well. But thank you very much for spending some time with me tonight in Golf Talk Live. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Ted. Really appreciate it. Uh, Love the time with you and uh, be well and look forward to talking to you again soon. All right. I appreciate it, Chris. Thanks. Okay. All right, that was uh, Chris McKinley, uh, the founder and CEO of SwingAlign. And uh, go to uh, swingtrainer.com, and uh, you can check out all their uh, products there. And uh, 
again, it's a great deal. It's a great, great product. And I'm going to be testing out the goalpost this weekend. And I will uh, share my thoughts uh, on next week's show a little bit about that. And uh, I'm going to get myself one of these swing align uh, products as well. I think it's a great product. And um, I think some of my students would appreciate uh, working with it as well. So, again, go to swingtrainer.com. There's something for everybody, and check out some of the great information they have on their website as well. All right, I want to also thank again uh, John Hughes, Brian Dobby, and Pete Buchanan uh, for spending time on Coach's Corner. Uh, again, thanks, guys, for doing a great job. Uh, always appreciate uh, your thoughts and input. And uh, on that note, stay safe, everybody. Be careful out there uh, as we continue on this journey together uh, through this pandemic. Just uh, be smart about it. Uh, remember to social distance, remember to be respectful for other people, uh, but get out to that golf course. If you're in an area that uh, you can get out currently, um, take the time and go out there and uh, enjoy this game. There's a lot of great, it can be challenging and certainly frustrating, but with great products like Swing Align, uh, it can make life a little bit easier and also connect with a great golf professional in your area. There's many of them out there and they're always willing to help. All right, until next time. Thanks, everybody. God bless. Have a great weekend, and I'll see you next week right here on Golf Talk Live. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this week's broadcast of Golf Talk Live. We'd like to thank this week's Coach's Corner panel, and a special thank you to tonight's guest. Remember to join Ted every Thursday from 6 to 8 p.m. Central on Golf Talk Live. And be sure to follow Ted on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you're interested in being a guest on Golf Talk Live, send Ted an email at ted.golftalklive at gmail.com. This has been a production of the iGolf Sports Network. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.